Love a rugby league same game multi? Then you've got to check out Picklebet same game multi. Watch your odds and payouts skyrocket when you combine your favorite team's markets like head-to-head, first try scorer, and winning margin. Picklebet, the next-gen betting app and official sponsor of the NRL All-Stars podcast. What are you really gambling with? For free and confidential support, call 1-800-858-858 or visit gamblinghelponline.org.au. Hey now, you're an all-star, get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock star, get the show on, get paid. Welcome to another episode of the NRL All-Stars Podcast. This is Barnsley, back for the weekly Supercoach episode, right before State of Origin kicking off tomorrow night, which I'm sure will cause all sorts of dramas in the Supercoach world. But ahead, we have a big round of football. We just had the last big buy round, which was quite crazy, really. There was a lot of ups and downs for different teams and different things that happened and a lot of people that were selected in Origin that could have played that didn't and all types of things. But now we're on to round 20. All the buys are over. Everyone thinks it's easy now. It's not. We've got three teams off this week. We've got origin backups as well. This could be as big a movement as what we saw in the last big buy round in round 19. So it is a huge round of football. To talk all about it for Supercoach, we have Ross Mann. Ross is off the Supercoach Off the Bench podcast. Fantastic one. Timmy O'Connor's come on before as well. So, Ross, this is the first time this year for you. So welcome aboard, mate. Glad to have you on board with the All-Stars podcast. Yeah, thanks. I'm happy. I'm I'm excited to be on here. I, I love the podcast. I do listen to it pretty much every week, and um, yeah, it's one of my favourite pods to listen to. Very nice. Well, the off the bench stuff's great too. Everyone can have a listen to that pretty much everywhere. But for us, for this episode, pretty stock standard one, but a good strategy chat that we're going to have in there too. So, first things first, we need to do a round nineteen quick review, Ross. And I mean, it yep. was. A round that I had high expectations for. We're going to go into the good, the bad, the ugly. Uh, and for me, it's going to be hard for me to find the good. I'm just going to say that straight away. I had a poor round. Um, I was all stocked up for this round, especially when I had guys like Gutherson in there and Moses uh, from way on back. <laughs> Obviously, those big guns didn't get there for me. So I do have to find some good, though. And I have to say, for me, my team, it is going to be Sione Katoa. Bought him a month ago. Thought he was pretty low-priced. He actually got lower after that. Got a nice 68 from him. Also got a 29 and an 8. And finally, he comes through with 103 points for me. And that's 103 pod points too. So my week actually started off really good because he's 2% owned. I had some good Sharkies players in that matchup. So I thought I was onto a good round, but that was one of the good things for me. So Sione Qatar, 103, 2% owned. But what about you, mate? What was the good for you this week? Oh, I think it had to be Talakai. Probably another one that's uh, very lowly owned as well. Um... Pumped out 103. Um, very happy with that. Um, obviously, like the other 25k that jumped on him, um, Munro was another good pickup this week as well, punching out a 91 as well. Um, and obviously, Hines just Hines being solid as you know, like pumping out 109. I think it was after update. So um, yeah, pretty happy with that. But you know, we'll go through the other stuff later. It wasn't all good. Let's just say that. Well, we're going to talk about the bad too, and we'll get to the ugly. But, the, I mean, bad for me. I, I could say Militalo, but, I mean, a lot of people jumped on him. It was super disappointing. I can't believe he only got 19 points, considering the amount of points that the Sharks put on and how often he normally scores. But I will go for something a bit different. Uh, so I actually got to a point where I sort of said to myself, Ross, I'm going to 
I'm going to say trades this round. You know, I made a trade and then I was like, look, I'm just I'm going to hold back a bit because I'm a bit low on trades. And I don't think I need to because I had, you know, 13 runners, 14 runners actually. And um, I just went, you know, I'm just going to go for it and not worry about the trades. After that Saturday, I kind of panicked because Tomoko was somebody who I was pretty keen on. I've talked up for a couple of weeks and maybe having some uh, big score specials coming potentially against the Dragons. I liked it a lot. I didn't do it and it really spooked me because... I had a really bad Saturday and I was like, geez, what am I going to do here on the Sunday? There's not much left happening. And sorry, I meant the Friday. My Friday was bad. My Thursday was good. My Friday was bad. And Saturday I panicked and I went, you know what, what do I do? Am I going to actually get some more plays in for this weekend? I've got the trades there. And I did a panic trade and they're the worst type of trades that you can do. And I did it like an hour before kickoff for the Eels game. And I went, look, it's at Convex Stadium still. Maybe the Eels will be competitive. Uh, I'm looking at the centre wings going, oh, who would you buy, Barnsley? Oh, Tomoko looks good. Oh, but he played yesterday. I can't get him. Uh, so I ended up getting in Will Penasini. And I instantly regretted it when the game started. And I regretted it more every minute that that 80 minutes went by. So Penasini's been pretty good in the past. He's done some good things. I, I did like him as a pod, but it just wasn't the trade for me to make. It did free up some cash for me, Ross. So I freed up about 130000 in my bank which I did need for this next couple of weeks. So that was a positive, but uh, lesson learned, mate. And I've learned this one over and over again. I've said it to so many people, don't panic trade. You know, if you're in a tough spot, you don't know what to do. Don't panic trade. It's always bad. I've done the same thing too. I did a panic trade as well back in round first by major buy round in round 13 and traded in Adam Elliott out of all players. I don't know what made me think to do that, but I did. But let's just say it was probably one of the worst trades I've done this year, to be honest with you. And, and on Panasini, Mark, it could have been worse. You could have traded in Sivo instead. Well, he's my ugly mate, so, you know, it's all right. Oh, I already no. know. Do you, do you know, like, in, <laughs> oh, I can look at this glass half full, right, because I've owned Sivo for a couple of months now, and he hasn't he hasn't actually um, – I've avoided both of his worst scores. They've both been in a buy round, so they're both not included <laughs> in my 13. <laughs> So, I mean, it, glass half empty, I'm absolutely filthy because I thought that he's a bit of a hand grenade in these rounds where he can come up with a couple of tries and, you know, score. But on the plus side, I've actually avoided all of his bad scores in, all, in the best part of three months owning him, which are both two very low ones, including the 10 this last round, except for one of his bad ones. So, I mean, you know, there is some positive here. That, that's definitely my ugly. But how did you go <laughs> on the bad and the ugly for you this round? Oh, probably the bad for me was Jaden Sullivan. I mean... I, he he did um, cop an injury, but he was probably one for me that I had to play as my backup hooker. Um, I'm going to put I'm going to actually put um, Molotalo in the ugly. I mean, 19 points against probably one of the worst teams in the comp at the moment. Um, you know, I paid I forked out you know 630k for him, like a few others did, thinking he was going to get hook up, put up a decent score, Tony get a 19. And all the attack went the other side for a change. I mean, normally they go left and they'll go right most of the game. So, um, yeah, that was probably one for me. I mean, I'm the same as you. I had 15 players before this last round started. I'd been by planning for weeks for this. And before round 19 had started, I was down to 10 players. It was a, it was a hard round. Uh, and it, it didn't have a lot of quality in it either. Like, it was. And that's it. Like when we look at the round itself, the top 17 scorers that were 95 plus only two of those were actually not pods and most of them were extreme pods like half of the top 20 scorers were under one percent ownership so that probably tells you how hard the round was and when we're going through it you know there's guys like McKaylee Ravalawa 145 points that is 
humongous in a buy round. Uh, Zach Lomax mm. has basically showed nothing all year. People like to talk him up, but he's done nothing all year. He's, yep. And that's pulled his average up from like a 55 to almost a 60 because he scored the 138. Yeah, and I don't think many people kind of expected that. Uh, and the next two actually really hurt me, mate, because Mitch Barnett, I oh. sort of mentioned last week, is like, look, if you don't have any money and you don't have many trades and you need someone that you know is going to score points and not give you AE problems, you know, Mitch Barnett at 450K, dual position, you, you could probably do worse. Billy didn't like it as much as me. I didn't love it, but I was like, oh, I could actually see it coming off. 126 points, that hurt heaps bad. And then Tomoko. I was so close to trading in so many times at under 450k and 122 points. So there was those are big scores. So 120 pluses, let alone the 140 pluses. If you can get those in a buy around, it's massive. And those guys range from 0.7 to 2.9% ownership. Yeah, it's um yeah, I guess you can't always get it right, unfortunately. Um Timo Code being one that I know that Timmy Timmy O had been on a few weeks ago and paid premium price for him and obviously did nothing and then traded him out copped about a 200k loss and now you know he's at 450k obviously not anymore but um yeah i really like the raiders draw going home too so he would have been definitely been a good pickup for sure yeah and look the thing was i really like the raiders too so i'm annoyed that i didn't if i knew that i was going to burn that trade on penasini earlier i would have gotten tomoko but i just I, i went into the round thinking i wasn't going to do it uh and the dragons game kind of spun me out and put me in a position to have to do something but you know, I also think that it's one of those buy rounds where it's almost a quintessential buy round because we talk about all these buy rounds in the past where you buy all these guns and things and then it's these crappy players or players that you've never heard of before that come out and score big scores. Now, um, some of it's a bit lucky, right? Because a lot of the time, if you throw a Blake Wilson or a Munro in there in those games, they can score 20 points and it happens very regularly. Both of them have come out and blitzed it. 109 points for Blake Wilson. And Monroe came very close to 100 as well with the 91. You know, and that, that sort of uh, downgrades that people made where I'm sure that many thought, oh, if I've got 14 or 15 runners, they, they probably won't count anyway. But, you know, I'll have them there. And you just get rewarded so much. I didn't do any of those downgrades. I was I actually decided to pay up for the, the premiums. And that's what buy rounds can do, Ross, right? It just, you can't tell sometimes. And a lot of the time it's the cheaper guys that end up scoring good. And the, the other guys that you panic for that you think of a premium that end up giving you 30 points. Yeah, it was one of those things. I mean, I was I sort of left it last, last minute to trade Munro in myself. And I'm sitting there going, do I do it? Do I not do it? Is he going to turn into an AE nightmare? Um, and I, I, had, I had Nick Meany sitting there and he's just done nothing for me the last few weeks. He's been very frustrating to own. And I looked at, I'm like, you know what? I can bank 300K by making this trade. And if he plays this week and he, and he doesn't play again, then so be it. I, I, that's cash I can use to bring in a Cleary or a Tino or someone else. So I end up biting the bullet and doing it. And I'm actually glad that I did because my score would have been pretty ordinary without it. Well, that's good for you. Very well done. Uh, there's also another category of guys that we just saw play in the buy round. And those are the guys who you know are going to go good you can't get them, <laughs> whether it's it's price or position. And, and Matt Burton was very much a bit of both. You know, he was close to 650K, but he's also got to come in at 5'8 or halfback. And that's very hard. And we discussed it a little bit on the podcast last week where I said, you know, if if you are a team with trades, Matt Burton is like one of the best trades that you can make this round. There's very few premium 
playmakers, especially goal kickers, that are going to play that buy round. But most teams won't be able to do it. I certainly could never do it because I had Hines and Moses. Um, my five eight was stacked as well, and, and I just couldn't. I couldn't use a trade because the amount of trades that I've got left is minimal. I can't trade in a Matt Burton and then get rid of him. And you're going to have to get rid of him in the near future. So anyone that's trades, and this is a really good example of when you get to these later buy rounds, how important trades are. Because if you've got trades left, you can get some of these premium guys that we all know are actually going to be likely a very good play, but most teams just can't do it. And Matt Burton was a perfect example and he came through with his 105. Yeah, he's... um. He's been a um, been very up and down this year with his scores. So um, I think that the freedom of having him just being able to run the ball and not have to worry about you know taking control of the you know of the halves with having Toby Sexton there, who was out, I thought was outstanding in his first game for the Dogs defensively in in attack as well. Um, he just freed up Burton just to do his job, and um, mate, he was he was outstanding that on the weekend in that game against. Um, South, that's, he was he was just outstanding. He, I mean, you know, to be fair, South were missing a fair fair chunk of their first grade team, but um, yeah, he was good, and you know, he's great with the goal kicking too. Um, yeah, handy, very handy. But as you said, it, it's you know, it's that deep in the season now that not many people are going to have enough trades to, you know, do it as a sort of one or two week play. No, that's right. So you know, it's very advantageous for the teams that have got the trades coming into these later rounds, and um, a really good example of why you should try and conserve some, especially in those middle parts of the season, um, if you're going to go hard early with them. We need to move along to the strategy chat for this podcast. Uh, before we do, I need to mention the great sponsor of the All Stars Podcast in Picklebet. Picklebet are a fantastic partner of the All Stars Podcast that have come on this season. Picklebet.com, you can go on and check them out. They're a great bookmaker for sports, but they've also got great esports that they're famous for, actually, and their racing is fantastic too. But their same-game multis that they've started to launch the last couple of months have been goals. They've got some great stuff on there. We've always got an NRL All Stars multi of the week that we do, uh, looking for a bit of value, but also low enough legs where we can actually get it to happen. Last week, it actually came home, so that was nice. Uh, we, we anchored it with the Bulldogs at, I think that was like $2.78 value that they opened up with, uh, just with the Raiders needing to beat the, the Dragons and then also the Sharks go 13+. Plus. And that was close to $5, I think, for the odds. So that was a good one. Uh, this one, we're going for a couple of wingers to score some tries and some favourites. Sounds easy, but you're going to get pretty good odds on it at almost $4.30. The Newcastle Knights, Parramatta Eels, and the Penrith Panthers to win. And then we want two of the wingers to score. Big Greg Marzu and Mike Acevo, who's on a bit of a try-scoring drought. And Marzu hasn't been scoring as many as what he normally does either. So at almost $4.30, I really like that one. You can find that one on specials. Uh, You can find it if you go to the first game that kicks off, being the Knights. Go to Outrights under that game, and you'll see the NRL All-Stars multi-special of the week. And it will be this one and you can get onto it, but you have to do it for that first game because the night to play first up. So get into there. Love that one, but certainly have a look at everything else on there. When you do create an account with them, make sure you, where it says affiliate code when you're signing up that you put in all stars or one word and hit apply. That'll apply that all stars code for you for referrals. And that will make sure that they know you're one of our listeners. So they've got to take really good care of you, but picklebet.com, get on them today, go and check them out. Also, I think is this a bet that you really want to place for free and confidential support? You can call 1-800-858-858 or visit gamblinghelponline.org.au. Ross, strategy chat. 
uh, at this time of year, everyone's obviously looking at the run home targets that you want to have. And I think that a lot of teams are probably pretty short. So they're saying, look, can you run home without a supposedly must-have gun? And there's a few different scenarios with this. I think the biggest scenarios are in the spine, though. So let's kick it off with a bit of hooker chat. Uh, with the hookers, everyone is going for Grant. And, and Grant is the run home guy. He's 40% owned at the moment. Um, he's highly traded in this week already. And we all know that hooker's pretty bad. But it has been the question that there's a lot of teams that are looking at it going, I've got five or six guys I've got to get in, Ross. I can't get them all in. Or do I burn my six trades and get them all in and have no trades? Or am I better off just bypassing some? What do I do? Uh, generally speaking, before we go into the hookers, I, I always think that if you don't have very many trades left, you're better off saving a couple and having a look at where you can hedge if you've got a good player there. Um, so I think like Harry Grant is a really good example. Everyone's clamoring for him. Uh, Damien Cook's not playing this weekend, but it needs to be said, Damien Cook's averaging 63 points a game and Harry Green is averaging 69. And if you're someone who, say you're going to use all your other trades bar two, and then you're going to leave yourself with one trade or even zero trades, and that trade that you're going to finish off with was going to be, you know, Cook to Harry Grant. I think it's more valuable, even if he's six points better, to say, look, I'm just going to run with Damien Cook. And Harry Grant will just have to let go. And at the moment, based on the averages, you know, you might get away with that. The other thing that I think that teams need to do, Ross, is have a look at the balance of the season and say, look, do I? what do I think Harry Grant will score between now and the rest of the year? What do I think Damien Cook will score between now and the rest of the year? Because a lot of the time, I think uh, we always focus so much on needing to get these must-have guys that we can kneecap ourselves on the on the trades that we've got left and that hurts you later. And sometimes a guy that we're trading out, like a Cook to Grant, it can sometimes work out better just to hold that guy and cook and keep the trade. Yeah, it's, it's a hard one. I mean, as, as we discussed earlier, hooker's not the best position this year. Um, there's probably no one that really stands out this year. Um, I think Cook's a great option for the run home. Um, you know, as, as is Grant, I mean, they as you said, there's not much difference with their averages. Um, you know, it's probably one of those things that, you know, if you're running low on trades, I mean... Hooker's probably not the position you need to probably worry about the most out of anyone. I'll be making sure I've got, you know, I'm pretty stacked up in my back row. I'm pretty stacked up in my, you know, my halves and my five eights before, you know, I worry about hooker. I mean, you know, I think you could just run with with a cheapy option or or someone who's not as great, like even like a Robson or a Blakey Braley even too, um, and maybe not worry about too much about Green or Cook and just run with those guys instead. Um but as you said, I mean, look at the run home, look at the, you know, the matchups, um, you know, what they've scored against these teams previously and all that sort of stuff too. Obviously, um, South has still got another buy in there as well to take into account as well. So um, I am looking at trading in Grant this week, but I'm I, I'm just not 100% sure on it yet, to be honest with you, Mark. Yeah, it is a tough one. Look, I think that if you're looking at those spine positions, the one that you bite the bullet and not go for a trade in if you're low, or if you want to try and get away with a bit of a sneaky, is is at hooker. I think that's the position that you sacrifice. Uh, and a lot of it's going to depend as well, Ross, on who the second hooker is, because like you said, someone like Cook, he has a buy in round 26. Um, at that point, though, like if you've, if you've got a sunny Luke, for instance, it's a lot harder. You, you maybe hope that he's going to be out of the team that week, and then it's all right, it's an easy loop. Uh, if he's not, though, it, it's going to hurt you, and that's going to be a head-to-head grand final week. So maybe those are teams that can't really afford to do that. Um, but it's also, you know, not just cook owners that are looking at it. There's guys 
who have Cook and somebody else that's actually very playable. And if you're in that position, I definitely would consider not getting Harry Grant because if you're like Cook and Robson, Cook and Egan, or, or even Cook and Marnie, you know, there's some of these combinations. I think the Cook is the place where you can save the trade. Um, I think people probably need to remember that Grant yeah. is averaging 69 this year, but that's not the same Grant that we expected. Like at the start of the year, I certainly thought Harry Grant is a hooker to have by a mile, but he averaged almost 10 points better last mm. season. You know, we, we were making that assumption based on him averaging 78 and he was throwing up 70s for fun. Whereas this season, he's averaging 69 and he's got a few 30s in there as well. So some low scores that you're not really used to. Uh, and only 60% of the time, he's hitting 60 plus. You know, that's that's well down from his best where he's done 80 plus, 80% plus of his scores at 60 plus a few years ago. So this is definitely his worst year that we've seen. Um, so I guess there's two ways to look at that, Ross. You can say, well, we think that Harry Grant's going to continue and, and be as good as what he has been, which is below where we expected. Or we don't think he's going to finish on a 69 average. He's going to get back to the 70s like he always has been, in which case you're banking on him having a better final third of the season. So really depends on how you think it's going to go, doesn't it? But I think that hooker would be my sacrifice position if I needed to do one. Yeah, I mean, Green's definitely not running the ball as much as he usually does, I'm finding, this year too. And also, you know, we've seen the Storm. They're struggling this year, really. They are. They're not They're not going that great. Like, I know they're, they're up there on the ladder, but they're not the, you know, the Storm that we know from, you know, seasons past. So, um yeah, but anyway, I, I I agree with you. I think hooks is one of those positions that you could just run with whatever you've got, unless you know I'm in a predicament at the moment because I've got Sullivan and JMK, so I need to make a move move there somewhere. So very very tough for those uh those owners. I mean, it, it's just hard because there's been nothing said about JMK. They came out and said on um, before he was named that he was out for the season. Mm. Then they named him. Then they pulled him out. There's still no confirmation on when he's going to be back. If I knew he was going to be back in a game or two, then I would just go, just go Sullivan down to um, that Graham bloke from the top, from the Dolphins, and even if he nuffs up in a couple of games, that that, that still banks me two hundred k, which gives me cash to upgrade somewhere else to bring in another gun. It is an interesting move for the JMK owners too, like you, because if you do that, you're you're handcuffing your injured guy with his backup, so you always know if JMK runs into trouble down the track, that the other guy's definitely playing which works out quite well as a combination. The only other issue with that too is that the Dolphins have got to buy around 21 too. And that's, yeah, that's just, <laughs> I mean, if you've got no AE problems, then it's all right. But if you've got AE problems, then yeah, you're going to have issues. Uh, look, let's talk about a halfback. And when we're, when we're assessing this, everyone as well, just a reminder, we're looking at spine players. So we're looking at hooker, halfback, 5'8", and fullback when we're saying where to sacrifice. Uh, halfback is a spot I don't think you can sacrifice. Hines has got to be there. He's averaging almost over 102 points at the moment for the season, which is phenomenal. He's almost 20 points better than Nathan Cleary this year, which is great. Uh, But that means that Nathan Cleary is right there as the second best player and people are clamoring to get him. It's uh, definitely not a spot where where I'd sacrifice Ross, but what I would probably say is uh, Mitchell Moses and Sean Johnson are both averaging 75 and 74 points respectively. So they're, you know, a good eight and a half points below where Nathan Cleary's at. But having said that, in this sort of middle third of the season, Moses and Johnson have gone absolutely ballistic. And what they've been scoring has been as good as what Nathan Cleary has been doing anyway. So there is a little bit of certainly a risk, but 
that you could keep a Mitchell Moses, that you could keep a Sean Johnson. Um, both of them have some reasonable matchups coming up. Uh, I do think with Mitchell Moses, like if I I am a Mitchell Mo- Moses owner and I'm going to wait on Nathan Cleary, I'm certainly not going to go Moses to Cleary this week because playing the Gold Coast Titans, you would expect someone like Moses to fire and to be able to at least match Cleary. And then you get at least to see how Cleary is going to um, come back, whether he is actually going to play this week and whether he's kicking and, and how he's actually responding to the injury because those muscle injuries are, are pretty easy to, to reoccur as well. So I think the people that own a, a Sean Johnson or a Moses, you're in a pretty good boat where you can wait. Unless, of course, Sean Johnson's out, which we were talking about before because you're an owner. And then that's a bit of a problem, isn't it? Oh, look, if he's out, I mean, I'd just play Hines. I mean, I could, you know, wait a week and get um, get Cleary next week. I mean, I think the ideal situation would be is if, if SJ's out, then I'll just hang on to him and make the trade next week. Um, because it's not going to make any difference with break-evens. Cleary's got a break-even of 130. Um, he could come back, play this week, but he may not have the goal kicking, so that takes away some points from him um, and then drops a chunk of cash and then bang, go SJ to Cleary next week, providing he comes back okay and gets through the game. Um, it's it's a, it's a hard situation, as I said, because Sean Johnson's break-even is 165, um, playing the Sharks at home. Um, yeah, it's it's a tough one. I mean, I don't think the Sharks have been playing all that great this year, even though they are up there at the moment. They tend to, you know, not play 80 minutes of football. And we've seen that against the Tigers and a few other teams this year. Um, I certainly hope that he kind of is out because it'll make my decision a lot easier as to what I'm going to do. Yeah. Well, I mean, when you're having a look at these type of decisions, uh, important to note, like with someone like Mitchell Moses, like people might say, oh, it's crazy to think that he can match Cleary. Between round 11 and 18, Mitchell Moses averaged 108 points. Yeah, it's a small sample size. There's not a huge amount in there, but he has been on fire over that period. You know, he's on 130, 95, 89, and 118. And it has been against a good opposition. Like, they absolutely trounced South for that 130 points in round 12. Uh, played the Cowboys, who weren't going as well, but still they're not terrible for 95 points. And then the Bulldogs and the Dolphins. So, look, he's done 62 points a game for the first third of the season. This middle third of the season, Moses has done 108. If you split the difference, you're going to say maybe he averages 80 for the run home. And if he does that, he should he could be very close to what Nathan Cleary is and you save that trade. So I, I certainly would, you know, save a trade at hooker first. Um, halfback, I think that you need to have Hines 100%. Do you think that teams that just don't have any trades left could run a, a Mitchell Moses or a Sean Johnson as a secondary one and come close to being able to match a Cleary? Or do you reckon that Cleary is just a, a must-have when he returns? <sighs> Oh, it, it's it's very hard, um, you know, coming back from an injury like this. I mean, I remember when he came back, I think it was 2019, he came back from an injury at the back end of the season and I had one trade left and I got him in and he just wasn't the same player after he came back from that injury. And um, I, I think I like the Warriors run home. I think SJ is definitely an option to the end. Moses I really liked, especially with the fact that Dylan Brown's still out of that team for a few games. Um, you know, it, it means he's the main playmaker and everything's going to go through him. He's got the goal kicking. Um, it's, it's, it's very hard, Mark. It's, it's one of those situations that you've either, I think you've either got to bring in Cleary this week because they're playing the Dolphins and there's a good chance he could score well that game, but then there's a, there's a chance he could come back. You know, no, he may not goal kick. He may not score that well. He starts to leak heap of cash and then all of a sudden he's not going as well as you're hoping. I mean, 
you know, I've got SJ, you've got Moses. I think they're both good options at the moment. Um, do I think Cleary's a must-have? Well, geez, it's a hard one. You know, you know what he's like. He's just, he's just, he can do anything. That's the thing. So he's much more of a must-have than Harry Grant, that's for sure. So, oh, <laughs> yeah. def- oh, there's no doubt about that. There's no, definitely, yeah. It's no, it's very hard, no like you said, because you don't you don't really know how he's going to re- return. I mean, one of the positives for the Panthers is they've got a pretty good draw in that they've got no more buyers left. Um, but in saying that, they're right at the top of the table. So does Nathan Cleary rest a game or two at the end? Because at the moment, the problem with someone like Moses is that he's out the final game of the season because he's uh, got the eels on the buy in round 27. So that's an issue for Mitchell Moses owners. As a Moses owner myself, I'm looking at it as I'm going to go to Cleary, but I'm going to wait a couple of weeks and assess them because I'm pretty confident with Moses versus the Titans. But I think that halfback is you know, probably the number one position that you don't want to take too many chances in. Um, and certainly there's teams that have got Hines and somebody else outside of Moses or um, or SJ. And then if that's the case, you really need to work to get Cleary in straight away. But I'm still working to get uh, Cleary in. I think that you can wait, but I think that you can't skip him myself. Uh, when you're going forward, though, for the other positions that we're looking at, mate, uh, number six, so it hasn't been the position that it has been in the past, um, but there is still some key options. It has to be said, Dylan Brown is like the number one guy and he hasn't been playing and he is going to come back in a couple of weeks. So it's going to be interesting um, when he comes back, whether anyone can afford to get him. But funnily enough, this is a really good example on an area that you can skip a trade in. So Cameron Munster is one of the most trading players this week because everyone wants to run home with Cameron Munster as, their, as one of their sixes. Uh, and it's funny because he is the fourth best number six on averages. There's not a huge amount in it, but based on the ownership and how everyone's clamoring towards him, you know, he looks like a must have. I'm going to be super controversial and say, uh, I'm not sure that he is. So the guys in front of him are Dylan Brown, Cody Walker on 74.4 points, Kalen Ponger on 72.9 and Cameron Munster on 72.1. I have to say with Kalen Ponger as well, that 72.9, is across the season. So there's certainly games there that are injury affected, um, which are a bit unfair to have him there. So he's got a game scoring one point where he played two minutes, for example. Uh, He does have another stinker, though, with 16 points in 80, but uh, another game where he's got 53 minutes, uh, another one where he's got 50 in 69. Just looking at his five-round average of what he's been doing, his five-round average is 98. Like, honestly, since he's come back, he has been killing it. But on top of that as well, one of the other things that his average doesn't take into account is that he's only just got back the goal kicking. He hasn't been goal kicked all year until recently. So that back in the fray as well means he's a golden option to me. And I will be super controversial and say I like having Kalen Ponga more than Munster. So I own Kalen Ponga at the moment. There's not a chance in the world that I would trade Kalen Ponga to Munster. Um, and if you're a Kalen Ponga owner and you're looking at trading a fullback to move it around or whatever, there's no way you should trade out Kalen Ponga, but I would even be as controversial to say, Ross, that I think that Kalen Ponga can outscore Munster for the run home. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think I definitely think Ponga's the better option. I mean, especially now he's got the goalkeeping. I mean, he's just killed it the last few games since he's moved back to 5 8. And um, yeah, there's so much there to like, especially with his matchup this week at home against the Tigers as well. Um, you know, he's one player that. That I'd love to own this week, but I just can't get him into my team. Um, but other, you know, things I want to fix up first. Um, but I would definitely go him over over Munster. 
I actually don't mind the, the Knights run home as well. They've got some good matchups going home too. So um, five out of the eight games are at, at home at McDonald Jones as well. That's right. Yeah, correct. So um, yeah, he's one. He's probably one that you definitely want to own over Munster. I, I I couldn't agree with you more. I don't I don't know what all the hype is about Munster. Um, he hasn't exactly pumped out massive scores this year either. Whereas Pong is, you know, as you said, averaging nearly ninety eight the last five games, and now he's got the goal kicking. Um, you know, yeah, it's it's a big it's a big for me. I mean, I'd love to have him in my team. Cody Walker uh, is above Munster as well. Uh, in fact, on averages, he's actually above everyone aside from Dylan Brown, and he is being traded out by quite a few coaches. Um, he's obviously got the buy this week. Now, I would almost look at this week as a throwaway week though, because everyone's at bare bones, sort of seventeen players or whatever. So I don't think it's that hard to hold. He does have the buy in round twenty six, so which is super tricky. Um, but in saying that, you know, he is going to get to play the Tigers. He's going to get to play the Dragons. The Knights as well are in there too. He does have some decent matchups in that run. And over the year, we all know about South's starting draw for the first third of the season. It was very tough. They played the Storm twice and Penrith twice, and he still stood up and he still scored good points over that period. So uh, I'm a Cody Walker owner, and I've actually decided myself that I'm not going to get Cameron Munster in because to me, I think it's very sideways. And I'm just going to go, look, I've got Munster and I've got Ponga. I'm going to run home with them because I am someone with half a dozen trades left. And I just don't see it as uh, a good use of trades for my team to go a Ponga or, or a Walker to Munster. A lot of people are getting Munster in. And when, when we're talking about this, everyone, like it's not about saying Munster's a bad option. It's not about saying definitely don't get him. It's pretty team specific. It's probably just about having a bit more of a thought around it and whether you're a team that can afford these trades or not. I'm not a team that can afford to go sideways from a Walker to Munster, even if I think that Munster can can beat Walker on the run home. I tend to think that on averages, Walker and Ponga can maintain their lead over Munster on the run home, though. So are you on board with that, Ross? Do you actually think that Munster might actually finish the third or fourth best six? Yeah, I think so. I reckon probably... I, I think Walker and Ponga will probably be the top two. Um, obviously, Dylan Brown, you know, because he hasn't been playing the last few games, it's going to be a bit harder for him. I'm, maybe Munster finishes third. In five eights, um, but yeah, geez, I like I'd love to have that combo of um, Walker and Ponga for the run home. That that's really good. That's a really nice, um, you know, spine there. If you got him with those two with Hines and Cleary or Hines and Moses, that's just that's probably the best you know you could get in regards to that. So fullback's been a very problematic position to you know for an understatement of the year. Uh, I see a lot of people waiting for Latrell Mitchell. Uh, and on averages, he's actually the fourth best performing fullback this year. So very similar to the, to the Munster situation. Having said that, Ross, we all know that Latrell Mitchell is someone that can very much fire uh, and, and end up becoming the best the best fullback in the comp very quickly for Supercoach. It's one of those things though, where I'm seeing teams who are saying, look, I, I plan my trades out and I can't do this trade or X trade or Y trade because I need to have this trade from, for Latrell Mitchell. Or I'm doing trades now to bank some cash so I can get Latrell in next week. Uh, I... I don't hold Latrell in that high regard compared to some of the other fullbacks that are there as well. Um, I tend to think that he's a good buy, but coming back from injury, we all know that Latrell can take a couple of weeks to to really get into it. I actually think that fullback's really tough now because to me, the number one fullback on averages is the number one fullback to own right now, but I don't know if I could recommend buying him because at 992,000, Scott Drinkwater has just become unattainable. Uh, but 
it is crazy what he's doing. He's got a five-round average of 126 points and a three-round average of 136. He's only a 6.7% of teams. I got lucky with him. I, I bought him a couple of months ago. It's worked out fantastic. But at almost a million dollars, he is being brought in at the moment. Um, and do you think that he is one of the run-home fullbacks or that he drops off? Because we've never seen his level from him before, but he's obviously killing it. I I think, you know... I don't know if I'd be bringing him in at that price. I think it's, um, yeah, it's a lot to pay for a fullback. It's probably a lot to pay for anyone in any position, unless it's a Nathan Cleary or a, um, you know, or a Nico Hines. Um, I picked up Drinkwater two weeks ago, and that was only because the fact that Reese Walsh got suspended or had only just traded in that week. Um, so I'm pretty happy I picked him up. And I, I think, you know, he, he's a great option for the run home. Would I, would I fork out nearly a million dollars for him? Probably not, no. Um, I just think, you know, as, as well as he's averaging this year, can he keep it going? You know, the Cowboys have, you know, been looking really good lately, though. That's the thing. He's another player that, you know, could be, you know, a bit of an issue to not own. I mean, he's carved it up against the Tigers. You know, he's carved it up against some of the better teams as well. Um, South, I think it was, and Melbourne it might have been too. So... Um, look, he, he he looks the goods, he does, but um, it's a lot of money to fork out for fullback. Yeah, it's a bit of a scattered draw too. It's not, I wouldn't call it a strong draw, but he does have some big ones in there. This week against Manly, he, he could go quite well. Um, round 22 versus Gold Coast as well looks a really good one. Uh, the big thing with him though, though, I will say for those head-to-head players, round 26 versus the Dolphins and the end of their first season and a very long one and the Cowboys likely needing to get the points on the board for either a top four or a top eight finish. Um, that's that's a key one in, in head-to-head grand finals. So it's it's very hard to go past Drinkwater. It's just that he's become so expensive. Um, but I will say, Ross, like, fullback is probably one of those spots where I don't really know. And it's one of those ones where it's almost a little like my Penasini panic trade on the weekend where I don't think teams should panic at the moment with this because I don't think it's sh- shaped out yet on, on what fullbacks we should actually have. Clint Gutherson is the second best fullback at the moment at, at over 80 points a game. No one's talking about him and he's playing the Titans this weekend. Um, everyone's saving for Latrell Mitchell. But, you know, Reese Walsh, he is someone who carved up at the start of the year for the first half and then sort of dropped away. But it's got to be said, there is another elephant in the room here where people can go, look, I can't afford drink water and I'm going to bypass these other options. And this might be the year of the center wing jewel playing at fullback because when you're going through it, you know, Jermaine Asako is the fourth best center wing if we count Travoyevich out because he's injured. He's the fourth best. Um, on top of that, you then have Ruben Garrick as the sixth best uh, fullback option, who's a center wing jewel. And then Caelan Pong is the next one behind him. You know, these guys are all jewels where we've got them in center wing or 5'8, but this might be a year where you can actually go, you know what? I'm going to use that fullback money of whoever I've got there that I want to trade out, Will Kennedy or some of these other guys or CNK if you want to jump off him. And I'm going to put a, a Caelan Ponga down there to get a to get a Munster in at, at six or I'm going to put a Ruben Garrick there to get another centre wing option in that I think is going to be better. Uh, this could be the year where that sacrifice might actually yield you better points because the fullback options, you know, someone like Teddy, Teddy he's, he's not even mentioned, he's 16th at the moment. Yeah, it's, it's very uh, fullback. We're, we're very sport for choice for fullbacks this year. We really are. Um, Gutho was one of the players who I bought in round 13 um, for the buy rounds. And I haven't looked back ever since, you know, bringing that, making that trade. Like he's just been outstanding. I mean, he he was one of those ones that I, in the long run, I'm like, okay, I'm just going to hang on to him to round 20. And then I'm going to move him on to someone else. But 
you know, with everything going on at the moment, Walsh suspended, you know, Turbo out for the season, I think I'm just going to hang with him for the run home and just run with him. I mean, I've got other options there too. I've got some of those duels that you spoke about, but they're all in my centre wing. So I've got Osako there. I've got Garrick there. I've got also got the hammer there too. So there's plenty there. Like, I like the move of bringing Ponga down if you're going to trade out a Will Kennedy and moving Ponga down to fullback and bringing in a Cody or a Munster or or someone else into that 5-8th position. Um, we're just so sport for choice this year. Yeah, we really are. And I think, you know, it's it's funny how badly fullback's fall. And I'm just going to say that I don't know how fullback's going to shake out. Maybe we get a, a top few fullbacks pretty clear in a few weeks' time. I, I think you need to kind of wait for that. But at the moment, from what we've discussed, we've just gone through the spine. And I think I'm pretty much in agreement that the, the half spots are, are the priorities for you. And hooker's going to be your number one, um, I guess, let it slide. Um, and maybe fullback as the second position that you could let it slide a bit on your second fullback or something. That's probably where we're at at the moment. Yeah, I, I think that I couldn't agree more on that. I think, yeah, definitely look the hook back, hook a position slide and focus on your five eighths and your halfback. You know, as I said, with the fullback position, you know, everyone should be pretty well stacked up there. I'm pretty sure that everyone's got at least, you know, maybe two guns there or a gun and a. You know, another one that's not looking too bad either. You can probably potentially trade up for the run home or trade them out and bring a bring one of his centre wings down to fullback. I'm sure that you know everyone's got that sort of depth there that they can run with. And the other thing with all these spine positions too is that it's uh, everyone clamors towards the the names that they think they have to have, but those guys are generally more owned than who you're trading, even if you're trading a gun out for them, even if it's sideways. So that ownership's a big swing too. So like if you've got like a Cody Walker that might end up at, you know, a 14 or 15% ownership and you go into a Munster that's going to be in the 40s in percentage of ownership, uh, you may as well just hold Cody if you're chasing because that ownership swing's huge. If, if you can just get, uh, you know, five points up or something on the Munster owners, considering the low ownership percentage of a Cody, that's huge. So those are the sort of things I think that you need to probably consider as well. Uh, everyone will notice that we just spoke about the spine for the run home. That's because, you know, the other stuff is nowhere near as important. So, Ross, I think that you'll agree with me that forwards and centre wings are a dime a dozen. You don't have to prioritise uh, those positions over the spine positions. Probably the only exception I would maybe say is uh, for feeder. You have to have for feeder. Yeah. <laughs> he is the guy that you have to have. Get him in as soon as you can. But everything else, you know, I think forward-wise and centre-wing-wise, um, you know, you, you sacrifice those for the um, the spine spots because the other thing with those positions is you've obviously got a much larger bench and, you know, positions to play with there in depth, whereas the halves, the hooker, and also the fullback spots, you've only got the two spots to fill, so you need that backup, right? That's correct, yeah. Yeah, definitely definitely prioritise the spot, you know, the five-eighths and a half-back over any other position. Um, as I said, other than... You know, probably for feeder is probably one that you're probably going to want to have. But there's probably not really anyone else there that you you might you know really have to have. I mean, Tino is probably a really good option up there as well, but easier must have. I probably wouldn't put him in the same categories for feeder. I mean, he's just killing it this year. He's just getting hundreds for fun. I think he's got like five hundreds in a row or something. Yeah, and the scary thing with Tino, and like this is probably the last point that we'll we'll, we'll chat on with this is. Um, People are saying, oh, look, do I have to have Tino and, and Payne Haas? I, I'm actually, I'm not doing it. Like, I, I just, I, I'm i going to get one of them. But the problem with getting both is, you know, at the front row forward spot, it's just not that many points. Um, you're going to get some solid 70s. And, look, that's really nice. 
but it's not like your playmaker positions. It's not like your center wing roulette, where if you're playing center wing guns and you're picking the right ones, you can eclipse that as well. Um, Tino, the thing that scares me with him is that the last three weeks in a row, he's gotten a try. He's got 95, 93, and 103. That's quite a few tries for him. He's actually already scored five tries for this season, which is a really good strike rate. Uh, When you're having a look at some of the runs that he's had, uh, the first five rounds of the season, uh, or six rounds, I should say, he went 38, 111 with a try, 54, 72, 59, and 40. And, you know, you, you look at the minutes because you think, oh, look, he was probably getting less than minutes at the start. No, actually, he was getting good minutes. 58 was low in the first game, but then he went 70 minutes, 65 minutes, 65 minutes, 72 minutes, and 50 minutes. Uh, this this two 70-plus games and two 65-plus games in his first six, it's, it's big minutes that he was playing. And he didn't average that well. Um, and even if you go past that, you know, he doesn't have huge scores until, you know, his last sort of four games where he's gone 90-plus four in a row. So... That's a bit of a concern for me because whilst he's going to be solid as a rock, you're going to be paying 835000 for him as a front row forward who's going to be really solid at maybe a, a 70 average for the balance of the year, maybe even a 68 if you get lucky and he drops a little bit. But that's not worth paying eight thirty five to me to get in a front row forward. So he's one of those ones where I've sort of said, look, I'll probably get Payne Haas because I can't afford it. If you've got multiple trades, then go for your life and get Tino in. He's the best one. But I think people are looking at him as a real must-have. They've got to get in their side. When I'm looking at his numbers going, maybe he doesn't be able to keep that up. He's gone on that run that, like, AFB went on. Remember AFB, like, was averaging, like, high, like, 70s or 80s because he was scoring a try nearly every single game. But then if you look at AFB now, his last couple of games, he's only got like a 44. Um, and there was another average score in there as well that he's got since because he hasn't been scoring those tries. So I think Tino sort of is in the same boat as well. You take out that try, you know, maybe a try assist and that as well. And he might he might get you a 65, you know, and you don't want to, you don't want to really be only be forking out 830K for someone who's potentially could average only 50, 55 for the run home. Um, I think, you know, there's other options there. You could go for a Tarpany with a dual position, a lot cheaper um, than what you could do going Tino. Yeah, for sure. And, like, that's that's one of the things I think people need to look at. Like, if you've got, like, an absolute spud that you're playing in front row for, then by all means, you know, you look at it and if you can afford it, go for it. Because I don't think no one's saying that Tino's a bad option. He's still going to be amazing. Um, but if you've got a Tarpany or even a Horsburgh, you know, those guys have been play, have been doing 70 70 points in the last sort of from the midpoint of the season and Tarpany for last season from the midpoint average 70 plus. So you expect he's doing that again, because that's what he's been doing. Um, and Horsburgh since he's been playing has been doing 70 plus. So if those guys are going to do seventies anyway, it, it's very sideways to look at getting rid of them for a Tino at the moment, uh, unless you think he's going to keep scoring. And just on that note, last season, Ross, he only scored in three games. One of them was a double. So he scored four tries for the season and he's already scored five for this season. Sometimes guys have these bust-out seasons where they score a multitude of tries compared to what they've ever done before. Uh, a lot of the time they don't and it evens out. So maybe at best he's got one try left in him, you'd hope. And then in which case, you're probably not getting value for your 835k. I think he's a good good trade-in. Um, I will say that what scares me with him is his offloads and tackle breaks are up heaps. Uh, and if that continues, he, he's going to be in the 70s for sure. Um, and that's a worry, but it all comes down to how many trades that you got right and how much money that you can actually find. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people are going to be, as I said, a lot of other people are going to be wanting to bring in some other guns back in first. Like, 
obviously your Fafitas and your Clearies are going to be priority. And you want to have a stack of cash in that bank if you can bring in three guns that are all over 800K. It's so hard to do. And, you know, I've seen teams start to do it that are like nuffing when they've already got two or three nuffs already. And if you're doing like four or five nuffs to get these guys in, it's not going to matter because you're going to get to a point where you're playing 16 players and you've got no trades left. Um, or you do have trades left, but you can't do anything, right? Because you, you've got to trade out guys that you need to play or that, you know, a 200K nuffs and it just, it just kills your team and kills your season. So you really got to consider um, some of these moves. Uh, and when we're looking at the front rowers, you know, it's not, it certainly is Tino and it certainly is Haas. I think the people would be surprised to know though that Tino is averaging 76.6 points a game. Payne Haas, who is at 694,000, so way cheaper, 150K difference, is averaging 75.4. So it's 1.2 points a game difference. That should keep averaging out to them being pretty close. So for me, I'm going to get Payne Haas in because I can afford 694. I can't afford 835. Uh, but then when I look at someone like Joe Tarpany, he's the fifth best one at 65.8 points, but he's been averaging 70 plus uh, since the midpoint of the season. And he went on and averaged around 74, 75 points for the run home last year, which is basically what Haas and Tino are doing. So to me, you know, if you're a Tarpany owner, I think it's really easy if you don't have the trades or money to get a Payne Haas. Um, certainly even if you're a Horsberg owner or even if you're a Tohu Harris owner, these guys aren't that far off if they can have a good run home. Um, but yeah, certainly if you've got the money, Ross, Tino and Haas are the way to go. We don't want to talk people off yeah. if they've got the trades. Well, Tohu Harris was one that I was looking at potentially trading out to maybe a Tino or, or a Tarpany or something, but he just pumped out a 94 on the weekend. He's... He's, he's been very frustrating going this year. I, I know you probably watch the games as much as I do. He, he gets the ball and he gets to the line. And just before, you know, they go to tackle him, he just he turns around and just offloads the ball. Like he, but like he, he got, like I said, he got 94 on the weekend. And I, I'm in a dilemma of not knowing to what to do with him. I don't think he's a priority trade out. Um, but he's been a very frustrating one to own this year. I wish, I mean, I had the option to go him or AFB, and I kind of wish I'd have gone AFB instead. But, um, but Toru, yeah, he's he's been he's been very hot and cold this year. Yeah, it has been. You've got the injury history to, to worry about with that as well. But look, I think that there's there's six pretty good options in, in front row forward, um, which, you know, again, Tino and Payne Haas are the best ones. But, but from, uh, from Fenua Blake, to Tohu Harris, to Tarpany, to Horsburgh, they could all have good finishes to the year and, and average 70 plus. And in which case it's a, it's a waste of trade out if you've already got those options. So certainly a place that you can save a trade. Mate, let's go on to market watch. We've already talked about a lot of them. Um, let's quickly do a, a look at the ones that are being traded out. Jacob Preston is an easy trade out. Um, I, I was looking at him as a keeper before, at least for the um, buy, but he's now passed the buy uh, and he's, Got kick out coming back, so I, I get doing that. Doreen Buller, the second most traded out player. I want to talk about this briefly, Ross, but not because I think it's a bad trade out, but because it's another really good example of if you had 14 or 15 players, you should have just traded him last week. He just lost $99,000. So he's down to $547,000. You really can't do much with $547,000. You can do a lot more with $647,000. So I just feel like it's, it's a week too late. And it's one of those ones where Everyone's got horror stories holding someone for 20 points. And, and this is another one with Jareem. He probably should have gone last week for someone. 
Yeah, I think last week was the week if you're going to do it. I mean, he had a massive break even last week as well. Um, playing up against the Sharks, I thought last week was definitely the week to do it. I mean, um, yeah, even if you didn't have, even if you only had exactly 13 players, I mean, the go would have probably gone him to Kennedy last week, which would have been, you know, a reasonable trade. But just looking at it now, so he's been the most traded out for Buller is actually to Blake Wilson. Wow, so it's freeing up the cash. Yeah, freeing up the cash to maybe bring in a, a Cleary or or someone else like that would be my guess. But um, yeah, I mm. don't know if I'd be bringing in Blake Wilson. I don't know what his job security is like, especially in the Dogs team. Mm. Well, the other guys on here make a bit of sense. VTW so, um, Tafare. Uh, he's got to go. He's not named. Alex Johnston, I'm I'm really high on trading out because he's just been so disappointing. So that makes sense. Uh, Harrison Edwards makes sense. Jared Croker makes sense. Marshall King makes sense. Schuster makes sense. But there's two guys on this yes. list that we spoke about before, Damian Cook and Cody Walker. Now, I just I, I think that if you if you need the numbers this week, Gross, it can make sense if you don't have anyone else to trade out. I just think that some of these teams, not all of them, but some of these teams may very well get to a point in a few weeks' time where they regret trading out a Cody Walker or a Damian Cook when they don't have any trades left or when they could have actually looked at other options. Yes, and, and again, another one that, you know, trading out trading out uh, Cook because he's not playing this week and also Cody, I mean, there's, there's a couple of sideways trades here. You've got Damian Cook going to Harry Grant. I think that's pretty much nearly sideways to me. And then you've got Cody Walker to Cam Munster, who we spoke about earlier. I just think that they're both holds. I mean, unless you don't, you know, you don't have another position, any someone else in those positions, and you don't want to cop an AE, um, I'd be hanging on to both of those guys. I, if I own both of them, I, there's no way I'd be selling either of them. Yeah, and and obviously for everyone, we're talking about you know, it, it's different if you can't play anyone in those spots and you got to sell them. Like that's they're an easy sell. You you got to get rid of them, but. Yeah, if you do have the luxury of not needing to sell them, then it's always better to wait, especially when you're getting origin players, because you don't know what's going to happen Wednesday night. You know, these guys could get injured, um, and then you might get a chance to fix your plan, but maybe you don't. Like maybe they're injured and you don't know until the day of a game that that's going to happen, or there's different things like that. Maybe they'll get pulled out an hour before. Maybe that Harry Grant will go and play 40 minutes. You know, I think that you're always better off not getting the backup guys if you can avoid it. Um, and yeah, there's going to be a lot of teams that, that have to get someone in, in which case, yeah, sure, get a Munster in at six because you need someone there. But there is obviously other options too. When we're looking at the traded in, David Fafita's the number one guy. Um, I really like it. I think that he's, like I said, the only must-have forward that I think that there is where you absolutely, absolutely have to have him. He's been killing it this year. He's actually the second best super coach player in the game at 87 points a game. And he's playing the last game of the round, Ross, which I really like against the Parramatta Eels. He's got the full turnaround from Wednesday to Sunday. So makes a lot of sense why people are trying to get big David for feeder in this week. Yeah, I think he I think he's a priority trade in this week. Um, as we discussed earlier, you now he's been he's gone on a massive run of, you know, scoring hundreds for fun. Um, break even a fifty this week. He could easily get that against Parramatta. Um yeah, he, he's definitely one that you want to have. I've held him all the way through, so I've never sold him. I've hung on to him and I've held on to Painhaas too. So um, he's not one I have to bring in, but he's definitely a priority trade in this week over anyone else, which, you know, we can see is why he's number one on the list. Yep, yep. Um, and there's a few here that make sense that we've already spoken about. We've already spoken about Scott Drinkwater, Nathan Cleary. 
Uh, but there's a couple of different categories here of other guys. People are bringing in Tyrone Munro and Blake Wilson. Um, certainly Munro can work as enough now, so that makes more sense. If you're bringing in Blake Wilson, though, I'd probably just say to, to people to be really careful. He's got a minus 39 break even, so he's going to make some cash. In saying all that, if you don't have trades left, it doesn't matter how much cash he's going to make because he's going to be stuck in your side, in which case a 268,000 Ross, you don't want to bring in someone like that because he's not someone that you ever want to play. You don't really want him as an AE because he can certainly throw up some bad scores. He threw up six points in round 12, um, 20 points in round 14. You don't want that as an A in your team. So if you can't trade out Blake Wilson, I don't think you should be bringing him in. So maybe only some of those teams are in that boat, but those teams probably need, really need to reassess their trades, I reckon. It's um, it's a it's a case, the old case of chasing points, I think, Mark, uh, with that trade. I don't know if it's chasing points or whether it's just a downgrade to, you know, bank cash. Uh, but as you said, I, I, I don't I don't like it. I'd probably look at someone like Munro who's dead set rock bottom or bringing in a like a enough jewel um, that you can just move around um, with some of your players. Be probably more handy, as I said, no one's going to have enough trades or he's not going to make enough cash to do anything with. He's going to be in your team all season. And, you know, if he, dis- if he disappears out of the team, then that's fine. But you can't do anything with that cash that he's made. Yeah, that's right. And you're also paying, you know, close to 70K more than a bottom dollar guy like Munro. Um, which just is not worth doing at all. You, you're going to wish you had that 70K at some point on the run home. So just be careful with that one. The other type is uh, is the guys that are good. And we, we actually said, you know, did well on the weekend, but I don't think I'd buy them at all. And it's Tohu Harris, uh, 608,000 front row forward, second row forward. He, he isn't in the guys that I would prioritize buying in front row or second row. Um, and, you know, if you got him, it's great. But if you don't, you know, he, he got injured on the weekend as well. That's always going to be a problem with him. Um, he hasn't been playing his full 80 minutes since, what, round of 13. Uh, and there's also the fact that if the Warriors get going how they're going, they can reduce his minutes. There's a lot of different factors, but before his 94 points, the biggest factor was that he went through a real solid stretch of going 61, 56, 76, 57, and 62. It's quite a few 50s and 60s in there, um, and that's probably going to continue for the run home. If you got him, Ross, it's really solid. I don't want to say that he's a bad option at all to hold, but I just wouldn't be buying him at 600000 when there's all these other guys that you want to get in for the run home. He's not going to make money and he's not going to be a run home guy to bring in at this point, I don't think. No, as I said, like he was one that I was looking to trade out, but I, there's no way I'd be trading him in now. I mean, you know, one decent score. Um, he's averaging, I think, about 65 prior to that, which obviously, you know, would have been lifted from that 94 that he got on the weekend. Again, as you said, not playing 80 minutes, you know, for the last few games. You know, he, he went off and then came back on. I'm not sure why he came back on. They were winning that game easy and they brought him on with like five minutes to go. Um, but he's definitely a risk with that knee. There's no doubt about that. He's had a lot of problems with that knee this year and I just think that there's better options. Um, I'd be looking to go like a Tarpany or a Horsburgh or someone else like that instead. Um, but he's, he's, he's definitely not one that you'd have to have. Yeah, for sure. Uh, let's, look, let's look at the games now. Quick machine gun analysis. We're going to look at some quick pods on each one and some VCC options. The Knights and the West Tigers. Uh, good first game up. Uh, when we're having a look at some options in this one, I'm just going to throw out there. So one of the guys that I don't see getting mentioned much for this run home and in the, all the trade markets that we're seeing is, is big Greg Marju. Marju playing this Tigers side this week. I'm so happy to have him 
And he is only in 16% of teams at the moment. He's 685000 which isn't too expensive to be getting in. 69 break even. He's not really going to get any cheaper. Uh, and he's also got a three-round average of 70 and a five-round average of 79. And he's averaging 78 for the season. And we've seen a good sample size of 12 games of Greg in Newcastle now. So when we're talking about, you know, not getting a Tohu Harris for his 65 points, get a Marju who's averaging 78 and got a good draw. You know, the Knights don't have another buy. They play the Tigers this week. I'm just, I'm quite shocked, Ross, that um, more people aren't looking at Greg this week because I, I think that he's a great trade-in this week and he's going to put on a mountain of points in this game versus the Tigers. He was one of those players that when he came into first grade that I thought he couldn't keep going. And he was so, he was just frustrating me week in, week out, but I never jumped on him. I, I think, you know, him and, him and Ponga could easily turn up in this game. And I think that... Ponga is a is a great shout out for VC for this game as well. Um, I think if you've got him, I think you know you probably VC him into a Hines or a Cleary or someone along those lines, even maybe Drinkwater against Manly. But yeah, he's he's been one that I wish I had jumped on. There's a there's a few guys that just didn't jump on. I wish he was one of them. But I I don't like him. I don't mind him at six eighty five k. It's a good price. You know, tackle bus for fun. Um, he hasn't scored, been scoring a hell of a lot of tries, but that's okay because, you know, he's got decent pace with all his tackle busts and all his runs that he has. So, um, yeah, he's definitely one to own. He, he's he's good. He's he's um, he's good to watch. His lowest score is 39 and his next lowest is 49. So that tells you how good his, his floor is. And he's also got a higher of 138, so he can pile it on. Love him for this week. He's got a 66 floor. His base, base attack, 63 points. Um, 63 floors, very, very good. If you want a hand grenade in this one, though, an absolute low ownership guy that can go nuts on the way home, Dane Gagai is back for this one. He's averaging 70-plus for this season. He's 640,000. Now, can he continue it? I don't know. This is the best super coach season he's ever had, but nobody will get on him, Ross. And against the Tigers this week, I could see Gagai coming back and and scoring very well. 64% of his games this year, he's gone 60-plus. Uh, he's got the one ton in there. He's only got two tries for the year and he's still averaging 70 points a game. So he's another run home guy that you can look at from this matchup because to me, against the Tigers this week, he's another outstanding one. But you mentioned Ponga as a VC. I, I almost see Ponga as a must VC this week if you own him. Yeah, um, I like the gay guy shout out too, 640K as well. Um, yeah, I'd probably... If I had the extra forty k, I'd probably go Marzu though. Um, oh yeah, me just, too. Just because, yeah. of, just because of his base, like. But if you want the pot op, more pot option, then Gagai is obviously the way to go. Um, yeah, no, I've I've owned I own Gagai in um in, in Dream Team and in one of the other formats. I mean, I had him in some drafts, and he's been fantastic for me. Like I had a draft there where I had him and Marzu and Ponga in it, and you know the one week they all turned up, and it was just like absolute mint, like. <laughs> they could all do that this game. It, it could happen. They could all easily turn up this game. Yeah, it, it's a really good matchup for Pongo VC. Um, the Saturday games, Bulldogs and Broncos. I don't think there's a huge amount in this. It's interesting that we've got Karaz moving to centre. I'm I'm not sure what that's going to do to him, but um, I think when we're having a look at it, the, I think a lot of people would think, oh, yeah, the Broncos are going to go well, but they don't have Welsh still. And looking at the side, um, it, they're not playing at Suncorp either. They've got the Broncos backing up from origin duty as well, and Payne Haas is still out. So 
Someone like Carrigan um, on the Saturday, you, you could see someone like him getting ruled out if he has a tough origin as well. Um, they're, they're a bit short, the Broncos, and the Bulldogs didn't play too badly last week. So I don't have much in this one. I'm going to actually play Brendan Pecura because I think that um, running at the Bulldogs' edge, he might be able to get some points there. As my 17th man, I don't, I don't mind doing that. But do you see much happening in this one, Ross, for um, for pods or, or for a VC option? Because I can't say too much. Nah, there's nothing there for me. I think the Broncos are going to struggle without the Haas in particular and also Walsh in that team. Herbie's been one I've been keeping an eye on, but he's just, he hasn't been pump, pumping out the big scores. I love watching him play. I really do. But um, there's not there's not much here to like in these two, in these games. I don't even, um, I've got, you know, I've got Palacia that I've got to play this week with Haas out. Um, I've got Pakura there, but I'm not sure if I'm going to play him because, I probably don't need to. I've probably got other options here that I can go ahead of him, but he's 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 there if I need him to anyway. If for some reason someone's ruled out early in the piece from Origin or they're not backing up, then I'll just bring him in and he can I'll play him in instead. Let's look at the next one. Uh, Cowboys playing the Seagulls. Uh, not too many changes here. DCE and Jake Trevojevic have been named to back up. Again, it's a Saturday night, so it'll be interesting whether they whether they do or not. Um, the Cowboys, well, Drinkwater looks like a extremely solid VC or C option as well, um, which is very hard because I feel like that I have to VC a Ponga, but Scott Drinkwater has obviously been going ballistic. Now, Manly at Manly it isn't necessarily easy, but we know that We've seen them without Trevojevic at times struggle to keep up with teams. And when you look at Drinkwater's numbers, like four out of his last five, he's tonned, and the one that he didn't was 95. And two of his tons, the last two weeks, were 140, 173. It's pretty hard not to look at him as a captaincy option, isn't it? Especially against Manly that can leak some points. Yeah, look, especially if Jerbo doesn't back up from origin. You know, he just tightens up that middle section. And if he's not there, then Drinky's just going to go absolutely ballistic through that middle. Um, I, I've got him. I'll probably VC. I've got the VC on him at the moment. I don't think I can straight out captain him because I don't have anyone in those early games like you do to put the VC on. I don't own a Ponga. I don't own a Marzu. So there's no one there for me to to go. But I'll just I'll just go out safe and VC him. Mainly do have a tendency sometimes to turn up when they're playing at home. Um, but you know, Turbo's a big out. But you know, they finally made the right move and put Gary back at fullback, which kind of helps out a bit there. And they've also got Parker back. Um, you know, Parker made a massive difference to them when he came back as well because he's just such such an underrated player. His defence is really good. Um, but, yeah, look, 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 Val's another one who could go big in this game too. He's another one that good I was eyeing off for the run home too. But he's just getting that, that expensive price. I think he's over 800K now for home. So... He's probably another one that I'm going to have to... But I, he's definitely a great option to VC if you own him. I think both him and Drinky are both good options to, to VC in that game. Yeah, I agree with that for sure. It's a really good shout. Um, I'll throw out a pod option too. Uh, I really liked a couple of weeks ago um, getting Jeremiah Nanai in. Um, yep. And he, yep. he was only at 530,000. And he went on to score 84 and 106 points the last two weeks. And... You know, he's obviously going to be backing up from Origin. They've got around 24 by, but he's got some pretty good edges he's going to be running at starting from this week against Manly. And at 614,000, he's right in the affordable range. Uh, and I don't think a lot of people are going to really jump on him. So 
Um, certainly if he's playing, he becomes a, a nice little pod for this one. On the Manly side, like, I don't think there's any VC or C options that you can look at this round for them at all. Um, let's... Going back to just going back to that, sorry, with because we saw Toe Harris number nine on the list. Yep. Nano is only six K more. Oh yeah, and you'd much rather the guy with the big upside, right? Because he's gonna balance out his averages for this yeah. year. I mentioned him on our pod about two or three weeks ago that he was an option, you know, because he was only he was he was just over five he was only five hundred and something K back then. And then as you said, he's gone on the run of an eighty four and a hundred and something and yeah, he's just not he's he's sort of slipped through I think a lot of people, I'd definitely be looking over at him over Tohu for sure, even though he's still got a buyer left. Yeah, and look, I, I think I, the Cowboys I, are you know, playing a lot better football than, as well. So, Yeah, and I didn't like him coming into the year at all. But like, this is where you have to say yourself, like, you, you compartmentalise the season and there's parts of the season where you're looking at guys for runs. And you just, you're looking at this guy for seven games and the fact that he's just below a 60 average, thinking, well, to get to his 63 average from last year, he's going to have to go on a run home of 66. And if you're averaging 66 a game at 614,000 and he's got the upside to have some big ones, that's worth it. That's value. And and that's what you're looking for. And that's what I think you can provide as a bit of a pot in this game. Um, let's go along to some other options. Roosters and Storm. This one's super hard. The Roosters have actually named their best back line they've had all year, which is a Roosters fan I'm super happy with. We've got Teddy... Uh, Tupo and Suali are on the wings. Tupo healthy and Suali moved, which is good. Uh, Billy Smith returns from injury and Joey Manu goes back to centre again as he was last game. Perfect. You know, that's the back line I want to see as a Roosters fan. Sam Walker had a bit of a hiccup in his return. Couldn't play New South Wales Cup last week, so Sandon Smith remains. But other than that, they've named a fairly competitive side, the Roosters, um, and it is at the SCG, which makes it easier, and they only have Teddy and Collins backing up. Um, but obviously the Storm... Deserved favourites. I just look at this and go, look, I'm hoping that Munster and Grant don't play, even though I own Grant because I want to win the game. But, you know, even if they do play, I'm looking at this going, look, I don't really want any part of this. I don't really want to be trading anyone in from these teams, you know, this week. You know, maybe Munster, you know, because he's a keeper for the run home. But I'm not seeing any pods and I'm certainly not touching any VCs or Cs in this one. There's not much there to like other than Grant, really, is there? I mean, um, Maybe Nat Butcher, may just maybe if you're looking for a potish option for the set, for a second row, but yeah, there's not much. There's not really much else there, is there to like? I mean, at all, Munster Grant. That's pretty much it, I think, for that game. Yeah, Butcher's a really good mention. Um, he, he's in the last three weeks. It's been pretty amazing. He's gone 67, 66, and 63 raw base. Not his scores, raw base. He's averaged 65 a game in raw base the last three weeks. That is phenomenal. If he keeps that up at 625,000, he's safer than a Jeremiah Nanai. The question is on whether he can keep it up. But the Roosters have actually finished all their buys, which is a positive. And the Roosters did go into last year's finals, winning eight of their last nine, I think it was. So if that sort of runs in them, yeah, they could go really well. I, even as a Roosters fan, though, Ross, I can't even tell how they're going to finish the year. So I'm not even confident in saying it. Um, okay. We've got the Warriors and the Sharkies. This one's over in New Zealand. Uh, I think that the big thing here is that Sean Johnson got named, but people need to probably understand that he's, his second child is due this week. So it would be very surprising to see him play. It looks like that he's definitely, almost definitely going to be out. It's... Um, it's- it's a good conundrum to have if you're looking to trade to Cleary 
because you're going to know before clearing plays. That's the only upside about this, is that you could hold back on your trade and wait and see if SJ plays. And if SJ doesn't play and clearly does, then I think that's a trade that you probably need to make. Um, you know, I don't think you can afford to have SJ sitting there and clearly playing against the Dolphin side. Um, yeah, but, um, geez, you'd have to think that the Sharks would, um, you know, come in more in, in regards to, you know, the price, if um, especially if SJ doesn't play. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then it's going to put a lot of pressure on owners in this one. And that's probably the other thing to, to spotlight on it is the fact that we've got CNK and DWZ owners. Both of those guys have got 150-plus break-evens. So what do you do with them? I mean, even if SJ plays, if you're owning a Nickel Clockstar or Wateni Zalesniak, are you holding those guys, Ross, and just saying, look, they're my guns, I'm going to run home with them? Or just saying, look, at over 700K value, each of them and, and the 150-pluses in the BEs, I'm just going to jump off now. I I think CNK is probably one that you could probably hang on to the run home. I just think he's he's been pretty solid this year. Like I know DWZ has pumped out some big scores, but obviously a lot of them from scoring tries. I think CNK's got okay base to probably hang on to. But if I had a DWZ, I'd probably look to move him on to maybe um a Val Holmes or even a Marzu, to be honest with you. Um, or even a Gagai is a bit of a pod, but um, I don't hate hanging on to CNK. DWZ, could you move him on? I think you probably could. Yeah, I think you should this week, although he'll probably you know, maybe look silly and score a hat-trick or something for the second time ever in his career. Uh, look, the other the talking point on the Sharks side is just Nico Hines. You know, we've talked about all these great B, C and C options, but what that means is that some teams are going to jump off the Hines train. And look, I understand why. They're going to be going over to New Zealand. Um, they struggled a little bit the first half against the Tigers last week, but can I just say, the Sharks love playing the Warriors. This is a very different Warriors team this year. They're much more competitive. They're a good side in the NRL competition. They're a top eight side. But the Sharks just put it on them all the time. And in round five, Nico scored 102 points with ease. It was only his second game back. Nico's highest score ever in his career is against the Warriors. 185 points that he threw on them last year when the Sharks had 11 players on the field to finish the game. Uh, the, Nico loves playing the Warriors. Average of 107 points. It's it's crazy how well he goes against them. So even though it's being played over there, I have to think if, especially if there's no SJ, the Nico is still a prime captaincy option. And I, I've got Ponga and Nico, obviously, but also Drinkwater. And I'd love to do a VC Ponga and a C Drinkwater just because of the pod factor. But I'm just shit scared, Ross, to do that because of how well Hines has gone against the Warriors. It's it's hard it's hard one, isn't it? I mean, really. I mean, Hines, you know, he he just gets points for fun. It's it's going to be hard for those who've got Hines and Cleary. You know, if they, if they you know if Cleary plays, who do you captain out of the two? Do you captain someone who's averaging over a hundred, or do you captain a bloke who's coming back from an injury that may not even goal kick that we might not even know until the game starts if he's going to goal kick or not? And if they pile on forty points, the Panthers and Cleary's not goal kicking, and he's off. <laughs> he'll get taken off. Yeah, too. and then they take him off early because they're already up by 30-something at half-time. Like, who knows what they're going to do? I just think you've got – I think you've just got to go to the safety and go Hines. I don't think you can go wrong, really, um, especially if SJ doesn't play. I think, I think you've got to captain, got to captain Hines if, if SJ's not playing. They're just going to miss that direction of him not playing if he's not in that team. Yeah, and Hines has only got two games out of his 13 played this year where he hasn't gone 60-plus. 
And when you're having a look at that further, he's actually only got, um, what, three games where he hasn't gone 70-plus. So, oh, sorry, three games where he hasn't gone 80-plus, I should say. So he is almost guaranteed good captaincy score. So I'm probably going to end up in the safe route. I'll probably go Ponga into Hines. Um, but, you know, it could be a pod option to go away from it because maybe he just throws up an 80 because if, you know, SJ plays and Warriors are competitive, that can definitely happen. Uh, and we've seen it in the last few weeks where he hasn't actually been the best captaincy option. Teams have just been too scared to go off him. So he's been way highly captain compared to other guys. Uh, look, you mentioned the next game already. We've obviously got the um, Panthers and the Dolphins. I think that we've already shown our cards on this one, though. Like, oh, There's no way that I could captain Cleary in his first game back, all things considered, if he does play and you do get him in. I just I can't do it for all the things that you mentioned. Yeah, I think I think you're just going to have to go to the safety and bite the bullet. It's, it's just, there's too much risk there. The risk of does he play 80, the risk of does he goal kick. I mean, you know what you're going to get out of Nico. You, you, you know what he averages, you know what he's going to do. And I just think, I just think it's too risky to go clear in this matchup without, you know, not 100% knowing exactly what, what role he's going to play in the team and what sort of minutes and whether he's going to kick. Yeah, 100%. Um, there is a pod option that people have been talking about. The The Panthers have got some pretty good uh, pretty good run at the moment. And someone like Stephen Crichton isn't playing uh, State of Origin. And he's also someone who does kick when Cleary doesn't. So with a hamstring injury, it may very well be that they go, you know what, Critter, you kick this week again. And, and that could be really good for Stephen Crichton. The last two weeks when he has, well, the last three weeks he's been kicking, but the last two games he's gone 94 and 80 points. Uh, his base hasn't really you know, gone up that much. It's pretty much stayed the same. But with those goal-kicking duties, um, it's gone up a bit. He's only 563,000. He's got a 15 break even. So playing the Dolphins and the Dogs the next two weeks, and then they go into the Sharks and the Storm, I think it's a great pod trade-in for teams who have trades this one, Ross, because if you can bring him in and hope for some goal-kicking or at least some tries, you can go Dolphins and Bulldogs, potentially make 100K for that round 22 and trade him out. Yeah, he's one that I was looking at a few weeks ago. But then, when you know, with Cleary coming back in, I mean, a lot of those points are probably from goal kicking too. And if I knew he was probably at that price, if I was, if I knew he was going to keep the goal kicking, then he's definitely an option for me. But not with the amount of trades I've got, though. I mean, you have to have the trades left because he's probably not someone that you're going to want to keep for the run home. Isaac Tungo is the other guy that people are looking at. Um, he got a 35 break even, but the problem with him for me is that he's gone up to 660,000. Like I liked him three weeks ago at 550,000. Um, he's gone on after that and gone 91, 69 and 118. And I just, I'm starting to get the feeling that you probably missed the run a little bit. I, I think that he can score really well against the Dolphins and the Dogs. But I think after that, it, it, he might actually start to drop in value. So I just think that extra $110,000 it might just be a little bit too much to go a tango at this point. I think you had to do it before, but he, he could go on with it. So I couldn't talk anyone out of that one. Tango was an option. I really do. But at that price, I'm not too sure, to be honest with you. But I do like the fact of having the team clear his back. He's probably not the worst option for 660K. You know, if, you, if you're looking at going a value, you go a tango instead. It's going to be a bit more of a pot as well and a lot cheaper price. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Look, let's go on to the last game, the Eels and the Gold Coast Titans, just to finish up the podcast. When we're talking about all these options this round, jeez, uh, I tell you what, Gutho owners and Moses owners must be looking at this going, ooh. Gutho has been on a tear, scoring hundreds especially. Big turnaround, may not even play minutes 
tomorrow night in Origin. And if he does, it's going to be limited minutes. So he should be really fresh for this one. And it's at Combank Stadium where they go nuts. You know, and Gutherson scores 119, 132, 138 the last three weeks in a row. He's a special to go 100-plus versus the Titans at Combank Stadium. So we talk about all the options this round, Ross. I think Gutherson's another one. You own Gutho. He's a genuine option against the Titans at Combank Stadium this week. I, I can't see him not going 100-plus. Yeah, I mean, the Titans will get some players back, but at Combank, you know what, Parramatta, just, they're just such a hard team to play against the Combank. Yeah, I, I really like the shout-out for Gutho. And as I said, just he's one of those ones that I've had in my team for a while now. Yeah, he's not going to go anywhere at the moment. Yeah, a big clash in that last one. So there's some really good options in that one for um, some uh, big points. But, Ross, that is the podcast. That is the round all done and dusted for Supercoach for round 20. Thanks very much for coming on from off the bench, mate. I know you've got a couple of podcasts there to do each week, so I really appreciate you jumping on. Uh, no problems at all. It's been good to come on again. Awesome, mate. Well, we'll get you on again. Thanks very much. For everyone that's looking to download or stream the podcast, you can find us on Amazon, SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, pretty much everywhere. You can jump on, follow us on Twitter, NRL underscore SC underscore All Stars. Also, jump on our fantastic partner. Go on to picklebet.com and check out Picklebet today. When you sign up, use the affiliate code of All Stars, all one word, All Stars, and they'll take great care of you as one of our listeners. Good luck to New South Wales and Queensland fans in the Origin tomorrow night. We will have a talk and footy podcast at the end of the week. Another Super Coach episode next week. Until then, good luck with your teams. I can't wait to talk rugby league all over again next week. Hey now, you're an all-star. Get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock star. Get the show on, 